The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. I'm your host, Linda Sharkey. Last week, we talked with Chris Yee, co-author with Reid Hoffman, who is the chairman and founder of LinkedIn, and Ben Kasnaka, of, uh, uh, who wrote The Alliance. Very interesting book. And one key point that came out of that book and that discussion that was so important was the need for purposeful goals and missions. You know, we know from our studies that employees are drawn to organizations with compelling purposes and and visions. However, you would be shocked to see how few organizations can absolutely capture their mission in a compelling, simple way. So a couple of things go on. They have mission or vision statements that could apply to anybody. Uh, They're not particularly interesting uh, or they're vague. And I also run into a lot of leaders who very often will say, oh, yes, I know what my vision is, but it takes them forever to tell you where it is they're headed, what's their purpose, and what they really want to do. Josh Burson, it was brought out on last week's show, reported, which I found find astounding, that only 3% of the companies actually set goals. And if you're not setting goals that have meaning kind of inherent in their vision and purpose, people are going to do what they think they should do, and there may not be any alignment with where your organization is headed. I also see companies who set goals as financial targets. They're not particularly compelling. Harvard study recently, not recently, a while back, uh, looked at the trust factor between setting number goals versus telling people stories and painting a picture of what the future should look like, found that those people that use numbers as their sole communication method are much less trusted than those people that can tell a compelling story about where they're headed, what their vision is all about, and what their purpose is. It's, it's really surprising to me, though, that people just simply uh, underestimate 
the power of purposeful vision. Many have unclear visions, as I said before. They're wordy, they're rambling, they're generic. I had a practice, and I learned this a long time ago. I started thinking, and I got this actually when Tony Cusimano and I were talking uh, from PricewaterhouseCoopers, that setting a vision for yourself is really one of your biggest personal guiding principles. And, you know, I used to do that and still do that every single year. I look at where am I headed? What am I trying to do? A vision for myself was being the head of learning and development for GE, and I achieved that. And then I had a real vision for wanting to be a a leadership guru consultant, and I'm moving in that direction. So this is what drew me to uh, Linton Bergson. He wrote a very compelling book, and he's my guest today. And his book is called Purposeful Vision. Welcome, Linton. I'm so glad that you could join the show. And uh, thank you, Linda, for having me on your show. Linton is a great speaker, thinker, and a champion of change. And he's just written this, I think, very simple, clear, and compelling book on what you have to do to see your vision and know your purpose. So, Linton, tell me, why, why did you write this book? Over the years, Linda, I've been working in different organizations, some very large and some smaller organizations. And, and as you mentioned, there's just a lack of clarity within leaders as to articulating their vision and translating that through the organization. And due to the success I've had with working with different leaders in doing that, many people ask me, could I put my thoughts down on paper? Do I have a book? So I did, and here's the book. Yeah. So what do you think um, from writing this book, Linton? What what were some of the differences between your actual state and the ideal state? I call it a gap analysis. Where you are now and where you'd like to end up, between those two points there is a gap. So you have to know where you are, what you want to accomplish, how you want to get there, the tools you need to accomplish that goal, and the gap between being here and being there. And once you know what that gap is and how you're going to fill that gap, you can begin to close it. Yeah. Uh, what You know, when we talked before this show, you had said a couple of things about, you know, self-talk. Tell me your thoughts around self-talk and what's, why that can either get in your way or, or help you. Because you talk yourself in or out of your vision or your dreams. Because what happens is we have three states of consciousness, the superconscious, the conscious, and the subconscious. And my belief is the self-talk comes from the subconscious. It's the area of our life where we store everything that we've been told about ourselves, whether it's true or not. So when we go into a situation, we may repeat something our mother, our father, our brother, a sister, a friend has told us. We chose to believe it, and so now that tape plays, and we use it as self-talk. What happens is we say to ourselves, remember so-and-so said you weren't good enough? You believe that, you act like that, so you can't do anything. Yeah, and you know, as we're starting to look at some of these things and seeing the role of, uh, you know, understanding the brain more, we understand that that self-talk 
actually does shape how you see the world and yeah, shape how does. you're going to interact you with yourself the world. yourself is what you'll become. Yeah. If you don't believe you can do it, you'll never do it. Absolutely. So, you have to so tell me, yourself. what are the, the you, you talk about courage, commitment, and conviction. Tell me, tell, tell me more about that. You can't do anything, Linda, unless you have some courage. Because usually when we're pursuing a vision and going towards a goal that's our own vision that we own, no one else can do it for us. We have to go forward and we have to be able to take risks. So it takes courage to take some risks and step, and step out from the status quo. You have to be committed to it. No matter what you have in front of you, you have to be committed so you don't deviate. And you have to have the conviction to it. You can't stop just because the, the road gets tough. You have to keep going. Yeah, and and what do you think, uh, Linton? Um, uh, tell me how the three facets of consciousness actually work together. You have three states of consciousness. That's a very good question. It's very critical. You have superconscious, you have the conscious, and you have the subconscious. I refer to the superconscious state as a state where all imagination and the intangibles come from, including faith and things of this nature. That's a superconscious state. It hasn't yet manifested itself. The conscious state is where we live, where we'd like to bring that imagination into the conscious state, into reality. This, the subconscious state is where we live in the past or the recordings that we've accumulated along the way from different people, as I mentioned earlier. So those three states have to be in sync in order for us to manifest anything into reality. If the subconscious begins to talk negatively to us from past experiences and we bring it to the conscious world, we can't bring anything into reality. If we don't take notes by imagination and begin to act, we can't bring it into reality. So all three have to work in concert for you to manifest anything. Yeah, and you know, when, when, when you and I talked about this before, what, what it, it, you know, that subconscious, or that I think plays a lot into personal bias and where people don't really understand that those experiences uh, put them often on negative tracks or sometimes uh, automatic pilot in certain circumstances where they can't see. Uh, the world in a different way or or interact with the world in a different way. What 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 are your thoughts about that? It's called conditioning. Whatever you're conditioned to believe may create may create your biases. And so you have to have your own personal leadership and I write about this in my book. You have to do your own introspection. You have to lead yourself personally in whatever direction that you would like to go and begin to analyze your biases and the conditions that you've been given and the conditioning that you've been given, rather, and whether you believe them and whether they serve you. If they don't serve you and that condition is negative, change it. Yeah. But, you know, don't you think everybody believes that, you know, we all believe that we're good people and that we're, you know, we're we're trying to do the right thing. And I, I think it's pretty hard to confront, honestly, your bias. How do you get people to do that? It's easy. Everyone would would be doing it. That's why it takes work. That's why I I give tools in my book in order for people to help them confront their biases. But if we don't choose to do that, and we we have to choose that ourselves, we can't change. So if we want to remain the same, then we don't confront our biases and the conditioning. If we do, we have to. It's a conscious choice to make the change. Yeah. You know, it leads me to that, that other 
point, you, you know, I've been doing a series on women uh, not smashing the gra- glass ceiling yet, and um, uh, I, I, I think that this notion of bias has a, a is a lot in there. I also think the notion of bias is what creates these haves and have-nots and uh, the in-crowd, so to speak, and the out-crowd. Um, but what do you, as you walk, go around and you, you work, what are the perceptions and the different perceptions of men and women um, that, are, that are limiting and that have gotten in the way and hold, hold people back? I don't always think it's a gender thing, Linda. I think that it's a, that how what happens is, as you said, it's a bias thing. Men have certain opinions of women sometimes, and vice versa. I think we have to put that aside and judge people on their ability and what they bring to the table. And if we can't do that, the, the gender will always be a reason or excuse for people not to move people forward. I think we have to stop making excuses. We have to look at reality and take people as they are and give them the promotion they deserve, regardless of our biases and our gender. But that comes down to... Have you done the personal leadership in order for you to be able to do that? And don't forget, that's the conditioning yeah, also. We're led to believe certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on 30 seconds uh, for break, Lipton. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd like to, when you, when you come back, let's, let's talk about a little bit some of the exercises that you might do with leaders to help them sort of peel back that onion. Because I think there's more to this. I think, I think that, you know, not getting to your core really limits how powerful somebody can be. I absolutely agree with you 100%. Well, we're coming up on break, and uh, we're speaking with Linton Burgess, uh, Bergson, uh, author, speaker, change leader, uh, great thinker, and we'll be back uh, with Linton to talk further about this subject of creating a powerful and personal, purposeful vision for yourself. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hi. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and we're talking with Linton Bergson, author of Purposeful Vision, a speaker, consultant, change master, really. And we were talking about how one looks at one's bias and how one begins to really peel back the onion to be introspective in who they are so that they can authentically interact with others in a purposeful way. We were talking a little bit, and uh, Linton, I'd, I'd, I'd like to ask you, you know, uh, over the break we were talking about that, that trust word and why trust is so incredibly important and why you focus on that. Well, if you're going to have any type of leadership role in life, people have to be able to trust you. And the reason I focus on it so much, it, it gets back to character. If people can't trust you and they don't think you have character, why would they follow you or do anything for you? And one of the biggest things in trust is your word. And one of the things I see in organizations and I hear a lot is that people say they will do something or they will take care of something and they don't. And if you say you're going to do it and you tell people you're going to follow through, as a leader it is critical that you do or it's a domino effect and people walk around telling everybody else that what he or she says means nothing. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking here too and I, I, you and I – you know, it's a privilege to be a leader, and the instrument of leadership is, 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 is the individual. So it's so important that you really know who you are and who's at, and what's at your core and what makes you tick. Do you, do you believe that people can, once they've done that kind of introspection, that they can change and do things differently? It depends on how sincere they are, Linda, about introspection, how honest they are with themselves. I think that we can all change. We have to want to change. And we have to get rid of the perception of ourselves and the reality that exists as people really see us. I think once you can differentiate between those two, because we may all think we're great, but that may not be the the truth as how people really see us, and we can face how people see us, and we begin to address that, then we can begin to change and make a difference in ourselves and, and in other people's lives. How do you get people to be really honest about, you know, their real values and and their real, uh, 
you know, bias. Some bias is good. Some bias, you know, we're not making a judgment, good or bad, but so that they could really understand. How do you get people to really get to that core? Well, you have them take a look at their lives and what they say. And some of the things I do in my work is behavioral interviewing. You look for consistency. So if someone says something and they're consistent about it, then you can say this is probably a truth they have about themselves and their lives and how things work. But if you find they're constantly deviating and changing uh, with the whims of life in order to validate or justify their behavior, then you can probably look at that and say that's not the truth and they're not dealing with themselves. Consistency is the key. You know, I love this line that you have in your book, and, and if a vision can be conceived, it can be achieved. I, th- I think that's, that's really uh, critical for folks. You talk a lot about the role of communication uh, in doing this work. Can you say more about that? Yes, you have to be a great communicator. You have to be able to articulate your vision to people and why they should be able to help you reach your vision and what they need in order for you to do so and what's in it for them. You have to be able to understand that in communication, if you're not clear and concise, you can't convey what you need. As you mentioned earlier in this show, who's going to believe you, who's going to follow you, and how you're going to have any enthusiasm about it. You have to be very clear in your communication and, again, consistent and make sure your character is in line and you're not trying to hurt anyone through what you're trying to do and you're trying to help them as well. Yeah, you know, Jay Conger, a professor from uh, Claremont McKenna, was on. Uh, he's a, an expert on um, helping leaders communicate effectively. And he said most of the communications that leaders use is unmemorable. And we're, you know, we're, we, we've been trained to make ourselves, you know, unmemorable. How, how do you, how do you, get leaders to think about how they're going to communicate with others? How, how do you get them to craft that story? Well, the thing about communication with, lead, with leaders and other people is they have to understand that they have to make other people important, more important than themselves sometimes. The way you make yourself memorable is remember people and what's going on in their lives. Ask them. Ask what's going on with their children. Ask what's going on with their wife. And remember, and then ask them again. And then use that information to help you to understand what you need to do, how you need to adapt your behavior, depending on what they're going through in life, to be effective in them helping you and you helping them. So effective communication is asking people about themselves, not always about what you want. Yeah, and that gets back to that whole point of the privilege of leadership. Leadership is a privilege. And it takes work to have people want to voluntarily follow you. It's not a role. It's not a, uh, you know, a salary grade or something like that. And I think a lot of people see leadership as the role they play, not the person that they are. What, what do you think of that statement? Yeah, I think, I think that you bring to the table who you are. And I think people buy into leaders who are authentic. So that's why I talk about also the authentic communicator. You have to be an authentic communicator and bring who you are to the table and be enthusiastic and honest about what you're doing. People aren't stupid. They understand at a very deep level when you care about them as well about yourself in the goal that you're trying to reach. Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting. We, um, myself and my other co-authors uh, have did some research and have a book, Winning with Trans Global Leaders, 
And what it's really all about is is uh, this notion of what are the five things that really make somebody successful in a, in a global arena and make people want to follow them no matter where they are. And one of the things is that it's that steward leadership. These are people that, in our research, the ones that were really the best were the ones who really paid attention to their people, really understood who they were and their aspirations. But, you know, we all get caught up in uh, sort of that time warp on, on the job. So, you know, culture has a lot to do with this, don't you think? Absolutely. And I touch in my, in my book a little bit about personal culture. Culture has a lot to do with it. And how we leaders understand so that say, and how they create a culture is, is important. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do they understand that? And, and how, how, how do they create a culture? Well, some of them come to the table with thinking that what they say and what they need done is autocratic and that everybody has to follow their lead and have no questions and and there's no empowerment. Now, if you want to create an empowered culture, you have to be able to take input from the teams within your organization and apply it and have them have the ability to make mistakes and learn from it. So you can change the culture depending on what you want to do by having people empowered in their own abilities and allowing them to grow, allowing them to make mistakes, and also by, by doing that, you can help them to be more creative. So it depends on the culture you want to create, but an empowered culture requires you allowing other people to participate and make mistakes and learn, and then you can help the organization grow with them. Yeah, you, you said a little bit about, um, you know, that you do behavioral interviews. I, did you say that? I think you did for... Yes. Looking for patterns. How do you use that? You look for consistency. In other words, if you ask someone if they do something a certain way, five different ways, and they consistently say they do it the same way, then this is a person you can probably trust to say this is how they behave most of the time. If they get five different answers, excuse me, to the same question, then you have to ask yourself why they're answering the same question that you may posed in a different way, five different ways. They're not consistent in their responses. Gets back again to being consistent in your behavior. Why are you inconsistent as opposed to consistent? Suppose you haven't done your personal leadership to know how you would deal with a situation once you're in it. It may vary. Yeah, uh, so I... uh, Go ahead, Lynn. No, no, that's it. It may vary. The point is, if you keep changing your answers as to how you would respond, then you really don't know how you would respond to the situation because it's the same question in a different way. Yeah. You know, but the world is, is sort of uh, ambiguous and complex these days. So sometimes you don't know how you're going to respond to certain circumstances. That is true, but I think there is a core value within ourselves that we respond from our values and our principles. And if we've done the work within ourselves and we know what they are, we would find that there are certain responses that we have to most things based on that. Yeah, you you spend some time in your book talking about um, fear. Um, what, what what's your why are you looking at that notion of fear? I use the acronym false evidence appearing real because I think it's a real yep. obstacle for most of us, and that when we want to go forward in our lives and we want to manifest something from our imagination, there's all these different things that come up in us that create in us a fear to move forward, and it's the unknown. And that's why I suggest very strongly that we don't let the unknown or the fear hold us back. Yeah, that's 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 really 
really an important piece. Positive expectancy. Assess your intuition and develop courage. We talked about courage, but how do you get people to be more intuitive? That's a great question. They have to be able to trust that inner voice, that little voice that never leaves them. In other words, you know, most people have done anything great in their life. They've had a hunch. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree. They would feel that they can do something. And that hunch they, they, they listen to. Now, you can encourage people to listen to that, but you can't make them act on it. You can keep hearing them saying, I, I keep feeling this, I keep feeling this, I keep feeling this, but you cannot make them act on it. You can give them the tools to do it, but you can't make them do it. What's been your best change story of a leader? Tell us a story of somebody that you've really worked with that, that was just this phenomenal experience. Well, there was one individual who I'd worked with and, and continue to work with, that I've seen change from being very autocratic and being very difficult to deal with to really working with his people. And I see now how he has changed, how he listens, and how they are much more empowered. And, and I've seen him become a very different person, not just personally but professionally, and I hear that from everyone in his organization. So I think the biggest story that I have in regard to leadership, and this has been 12 years, is to take someone, it was a family and is a family-owned business, who has had a very, very difficult time with themselves and letting go, letting go of the reins and giving that empowerment with a culture change to his people and see him doing that and the change that's made in his life. Yeah. Uh, did, did you ever uh, ask him about his you know, happiness level? Is he, is he a more happy person? Has it had any impact on, on actually his personal life. Absolutely. He's spending more time with his wife and his family. He's happy and he's able to do that because the empowerment that he has created has allowed his managers to take more control so he has more time. Yeah. You know, I've had similar circumstances where, where, where people have brought those kind of techniques, you know, really done that in work settings and then found out that they were just as autocratic at home and started changing and had much healthier, constructive relationships with their children and, um, and spouse or significant other. So it's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, it does. Um, Go ahead. Uh, I, quickly, and I want to explore this. We're 30 seconds to uh, break again. But tell me about, you know, kind of quickly your worst nightmare. And what do you do when you find somebody who's just simply not going to change? Well, I've had that experience with someone who's very, very well-known, a um, company that you definitely know. Um, I left. That was it. There's mm-hmm. nothing I could do. And I mentioned it to him, and he chose not to listen, and the rest is history. So sometimes I just have to leave. And that's exactly what I did, yeah. and that's what I do. Well, I think- there are some people you cannot help. Yeah, there are some people that you cannot help and you have to walk away from that. And I, I totally agree with you. Well, we're coming up towards break again. We're talking with Lin, Lin, Linton Bergson. Uh, we'll be following back with Linton when the break is over. And we're going to be talking about some tips and tools that you can use and three pieces of advice that Linton would have for you. So stay with us. Uh, we're talking about creating a purposeful vision for yourself. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and we're talking with Linton Bergson, author of Purposeful Vision, See Your Vision, Know Your Purpose. Uh, we were talking about creating an empowered environment where you can really uh, allow people to, to, to shine and be successful. And Linton was telling me about a story where somebody just simply was not going to change and he ultimately, uh, you know, had to walk away from, had to walk away from the situation. And I think that's absolutely the kind of thing that you, one has to do because you have to be authentic yourself. So Linton, in your book, you talk about luck. So, so, so tell me about that. It's an acronym, which I think is a great one. Yes, living under correct knowledge. You know, luck really is what I term in a lot of ways wisdom and common sense. And what I mean by that is very simple. There are certain things that one has to do in order to accomplish anything. Set a goal, have a strategy, have a focus, and write these things down and have a plan. Now, one does that, and then one reaches a goal, and people see you at the end of the road, and they say, weren't you lucky? 
And I don't believe that that's the case. I just think the luck is living on the correct knowledge, knowing what to do, how to do it, and knowing that once you do it, you can get where you need to go. And that is luck. It's applying simple principles and wisdom and common sense to any goal that you choose to, to pursue. Yeah, I, I've had some heard some people say and used it myself. But it, similarly, that luck is where opportunity meets preparation. Cool. So that you know you've been thinking about what that opportunity is, that vision, that purpose, and that you've been preparing for it and getting and getting ready so you can seize the day, so to speak. So how does one formulate? What is your your process for helping somebody formulate a strategy for themselves? Well, you have to know, first of all, where it is that you want to go. And strategy is simply this. It's laying out a plan. And if you, if you can help someone understand how to lay out a goal, whether it's a SMART goal, we know the acronym for that, and then they begin to plan that out, you can create a strategy. But unless the person has a clear idea, which we discussed early in the conversation, where they want to go, you can't create a strategy. Yeah. And how do you get somebody to get a clear idea of where they want to go. Because you, you tap into that place that is their dreams and that intuitive voice. What is it you'd really like to see yourself doing? What is it you feel connected to emotionally? What are you clear about? How, how does it make you feel? And if they can articulate that and they're sincere and enthusiastic and they've done their personal leadership, I can help you attain it. But you have to be clear, and I can tap into you, but you have to have done some personal leadership in order for me to help you. Now, I know you run uh, workshops and, and do work with leadership teams. So how do you take a, do, how do you take a leadership team uh, through a purposeful vision kind of exercise, helping them figure out as a group how they're going to work together and and how they're going to be purposeful. Because many leadership teams, by the way, are not, as you know. <laughs> no, they're not. You have to find out, first of all, what I try to do is find out the personalities in the team. And you can do that in numerous ways. And you have to find out if everybody is in sync with the values, the principles, and where they want to end up. Because if they're not, then you're going to have conflict. You have to find out what it is collectively that they all agree upon. And so if you can find out what that is and you can get everybody to agree and have consensus, you can move the team forward. If that isn't going to happen, you have personality conflicts and no one's clear, you'll go nowhere. Yeah. And, and how do you deal with, because a lot of these, a lot of teams have had dysfunctional behavior for quite some time. So they have a deep down bias towards other people on the team and, uh, you know, it gets played out in very subtle ways. How do you bring that out on the table, or do you? Yeah, I do. There's two things that I involve myself with. It's understanding team dynamics and then understanding team development. So you have to get the dynamic of the team in place first, and then you can develop the team. So as you're looking at the dynamics of the team, um, how much difficulty do you have you had in getting people to uh, really open up and talk about what their conflict, the root cause of their conflicts are? And then how do you bring them back into a positive place after that? It gets back to the question that you had, uh, had earlier about trust. If you can create trust 
first of all, you have to get trust within the team, within the people in the room. If you can do that, they will open up. If you cannot create the trust and people feel that there is a problem with that, you're really at a stalemate. And you have to go back to the drawing board and see who the players are, why there is no trust, and maybe change the players, then come back. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen that happen too. I've actually seen where uh, the, the the players have been changed out and it's been an entirely different dynamic and sometimes people can't change at that uh, you know at that point. They've got to move to someplace else where a different tape is playing about them or create a different tape uh, about them. So tell me a little bit about uh, what your practice is. We do a myriad of things. Now, when I go into an organization, I will do leadership training. I can go and look at the culture. I can do management training. So I usually start with speaking with the leadership in the organization and finding out what their needs are or their perceived needs are and how they feel that they want to deal with them. Now, that's their opinion and how they feel they want to deal with them. I will give them suggestions as to how I feel they should be addressed given what I know. If there is a coming of the minds together, we can proceed. Because as you know, sometimes what people perceive how things are and what needs to be fixed and how they should be fixed is not always correct. Oh, that, that is true. And uh, I find, do you do 360 feedback and, and that kind of thing? Because there's a lot of debate out there now whether 360s are really uh, worth it or, or not. I have my own opinion about that. But uh, how do you... What do you do to kind of validate uh, what what they believe is either right or wrong or correct or not correct? Oh, that, that, you, you and I could talk about it all day. That's a great question. And I agree with you in the 360. I kind of shelved that idea for myself. And because, you know, yeah. the 360 to me... I don't like I don't like the concept of it. I have I have different assessments that I use. One of them is an organizational needs inventory, which will measure mm-hmm. the gap analysis. Where are we on? Where sorry? Where are we now? And where we would like to be? And it allows me to go into an organization throughout the entire organization. It's complicated. Create groups and find what each group thinks, and then it creates a percentage, and then you can see where the gaps are, and then you begin to close the gaps. Mm-hmm. That's one tool. Then the other tool I have, you, might, you mentioned Myers-Briggs when we spoke earlier, is the, is the Achiever Assessment. I use that. So there's a myriad of tools I can bring to the table to validate and look at personalities in all the training that we do, and I use it in all this team building and everything else. So, yeah, there's a lot that you can do, but that's how I do it. Organizational needs inventory, Achiever Assessments, personalities, all different things that you and I know about. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think it's very important, though, because people need to understand the real reality, not the reality as they see it, but the reality as others see it. Because what I often say to people is, you know, it's a perception that someone has of you, uh, whether you like it or not, there are certain things that you're doing that are giving them that perception. And if you don't know what that perception is, there's no way that you can change it. So, you know, working working with others around that is, is uh, absolutely uh critical so if you take a group uh through these kinds of things have you ever had a lot of resistance uh to the um because you know there are some very aggressive cultures out there and they get the feedback and they don't believe it what do you do then yeah there there is a lot of resistance and 
you know, no, they don't always believe it. But some of the some of the things that I use and the way that I approach it is because one of the assessments I have, basically, they filled out. So I'm sure you're aware of that in the work that you do in HR and whatnot. And people who are listening may not be always aware of the work that goes on behind the scenes. But I have a tool that they fill out, and then they say that they don't believe that about themselves. So if you don't believe that about yourself, who filled it out? You did. So I always go back to this is what you filled out, this is what you said about you, and now you don't like what the feedback is about yourself. So what would you have me do with right. information? That you said. Right, yeah. exactly. I use it, yes, uh, you know, because I find that culture is such a, uh, a huge piece, but um, I use a, a tool of the organization Culture Inventory that uh, Rob Cook developed, who's uh, going to be on the show in a, in a couple of couple of weeks but um it's a powerful tool because it does exactly what you were saying you know people define the culture that they want and the culture that they the, the leadership characteristics that they think are important and they get a very uh interesting wake-up call so as we're coming up linton on uh, our, our our next break uh, i wanted to ask you what are the you know if you were going to give people three big pieces of advice what would it be? Just get started, which I mentioned in my book. Don't operate from fear, and make sure you're doing your work on your personal leadership. Those three things are what I recommend. Yeah. Now, do you ever go back and and uh, revisit some of these folks later? Have they had sort of lasting, you know, these epiphanies? Have they lasted, or have they reverted back to some of their old behaviors? That is a that is a great question. It's not a short answer, but I'll give you one. Yes, what happens is is that I measure you at the beginning. You know, I have a, the assessment that I have. So here we are now, and then I may look at it at the end of the training or a year. You definitely see changes, and then there's learned behavior and there's natural behavior and how people begin to learn these behaviors and adapt it into their old behavior. It's fascinating. You see them change, but some of them struggle with the transition. Yeah, yeah, and some do slip back. Uh, to to old habits. Well, Linton, uh, we're ready for break and stick with me. We'll be uh, talking uh, through the rest of the show, uh, but we're talking with Linton Bergson, who is author of Purposeful Vision, See Your Vision, Know Your Purpose. Great book. And if you haven't gotten a copy of it, uh, you should have it on your nightstand. It's a great book. It's an easy read and loaded with terrific tips. So moving to break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? 
Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and I've been speaking with Linton Bergson. Uh, great, great discussion. And, and uh, during the break, we were talking about how, you know, these are very uh, heady topics. Uh, and, you know, we could go on forever about them. But Linton brought up, uh, you know, I was asking him, how uh, do people revert back to old behavior? And, and his answer was, yes, I've seen people revert back to old behavior, and it typically happens under times of stress. And that's been my experience as well. And that's why I usually take leaders through some kind of uh, exercise where they talk about peak performance, because people who are at peak performance obviously are at their best. And when they can articulate what they're doing when they're at their best, they can kind of groove that. Uh, it's an important and it's an energizing uh, exercise for leaders to think about and go through. You know, we were also talking about another point, which I think is very important. And I've unfortunately seen this a lot in my own career. I have seen leaders who started out being stewards and who started out really wanting to be empowering leaders. And as they got higher up and higher up in the organization, they started to believe that it was really them that was making the difference and making the change. And, you know, they started to operate more out of their own ego and hubris and that they were more important than anyone else. And, you know, there's a question that we often ask. Uh, I'm do a lot of work with Marshall with the Marshall Goldsmith group and this is a question that Marshall uh, leading executive coach often asks you know do you think you're the smartest person in the room and you know do you always have to he has the 
the the the twenty habits of uh, bad habits of highly successful leaders, and one of them is always thinking that success happens because you were there and not because of everyone else that was around you. And we know that that's a an erroneous thing. We know the great leaders of the world. Oftentimes, you don't even know that they're the leader of the group. They're 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 quiet. They're people that uh, others want to follow. And it reminds me uh, that sometimes I've been with leadership teams, and it's not really always clear who the top leader is because the group is working so respectfully and so well together. And that's hard to do. It's it's not easy. And as I think Linton said very carefully, you know, you've got to have a lot of introspection. You've got to operate, you know, living under correct knowledge uh, about yourself and where you're headed. And you've really got to spend time peeling back that onion and being true about your core values, not the platitudes that you want to put out there, but the real core values and bias that you have. I I had a conversation with another gentleman this week, and we were talking about an article that I'm pulling together for a session I'm doing in Dubai. And we talked about you can't have a worldview and interact well with others if your worldview is only from your own context. You have to have a way of understanding and flexing your bias, your values, so that you can include others into your net, into your connections, and help them uh, get ahead. And if you are dogmatic, you are going to have a very difficult time interacting and including others who are different from you because of some preconceived bias that you may have. So I think these are really important topics. And I'd like to invite you to come to our next week's show where I'm going to be having David Knorr. And David Knorr has written a great book uh, on relationship economics. He has, uh, he's an author again, speaker, coach, written numerous books, but he's come up with a phenomenal model, which I think is very important as we move forward in this complex and ever global world. And it's how to use leadership connectivity with others in order to help people uh, advance. And the interesting part about this is Chris Yee in, uh, in our discussion together said that, you know, you have to create ambassadors because people may not work for you for more than three or five years or work with you for more than three or five years. And you need to create ambassadors for folks so that people as they move on to other areas are people that will remember you, work with you, and help you advance at times when you may need it. So relationship economics isn't about taking advantage of friends or co-workers to get ahead. It's about prioritizing and maximizing 
a unique return on strategic relationships to fuel unprecedented growth. So I'm going to be very, very excited to have David Knorr with us. Uh, we'll be having a great conversation. And I really thank Linton Bergson for spending great, insightful time with us. So join me next week, same time, for continued discussion on how you can continue to develop as a leader. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thank you.